The voice of Motown, West Virginia's leader in news, analysis, and rumors, proudly presents the Voice of Motown podcast, featuring your boys, Brandon and Tyler. Take it away, gentlemen. All right, this is the Voice of Morgantown podcast. I'm Tyler Peppy. And I'm Brandon Cork, and this is a WVU sports podcast by two suffering WVU fans. All right, we have football and basketball hires to discuss today. Before we get into that, please follow us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, and whether you love us, hate us, or are indifferent about us, share your thoughts on today's episode in the comments section. Uh, Let's get into it. This news broke on Monday. Neil Brown announced Chad Scott as West Virginia's new offensive coordinator. The two have coached together for 13 years, and he's been on Neil Brown's coaching staff for his entire tenure here at WVU. Coach Scott was easily the best position coach um, last year for the Mountaineers. I mean, he outperformed everyone else around him. Just look at the production up and down the running back room. So what are your thoughts on the hire? Um, I definitely don't think it's the hire that everyone wanted, especially because I think it signals that Neil Brown will be back calling plays, and we kind of understand how that went the last time, um, you know, but if we did promote internally, um, I'm glad it was Chad Scott. Um, like you said, I think he was the best position coach on staff, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Um, he's really great at player development. Um, you know, I know last year, I think he was considered a run game corner coordinator, whatever that means. So maybe he'll have some say um, in the running game and, you know, the style that we choose for next season. But um Needless to say, I, I think you still expect Neil to call plays next year for for better or worse, and that's that's he's betting on himself, and you know you can take that however you want to want to take it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. I like it. I like the hire. If like you said, if WVU was going to hire from within, then you know Chad Scott was the right choice. That that seemed like the easy choice, and he has certainly earned it. So I'm happy for him. And uh, I think this signifies that WVU will be running the ball a lot more this year. And we kind of already knew that with the fullback signing, with the rumors floating around about changing the offensive philosophy. Um, You know, people were kind of um, caught on to this about a month ago. But uh, why not? You know, WVU has a lot of talented running backs and an experienced offensive line. And whether it's Green or Nico at starting quarterback, both are inexperienced. So it makes a lot of sense to rely on a run-heavy offense. Plus, both quarterbacks have running capabilities, so that really opens up a lot of fun possibilities with the play calling. But you're right. you know The hiring from within also signifies that Neil Brown will have a heavy influence on play calling, which I'm pretty sure he even had at least, you know, a pretty good amount of influence when Graham Harrell was here. We could kind of tell that with the clock running down, not a lot of hurry up, so on, so on. But, um, you know, like you said, don't be surprised if Neil's calling plays like he did the first three seasons he was at West Virginia. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, what, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I kind of get it. He knows this is his last chance, so he wants to rely on himself. But at the same time, we saw very, very little production those first three seasons of him doing it. Why wouldn't he just hand it over to Chad Scott and see what he can do? And maybe he is, who knows? 
you know, if I was Neil Brown, I, I would have won out and tried to get the best offense coordinator that I could, you know, with the money that I had available. And even if I had to take money out of my own paycheck, I would do it. Um, but that's just me because, you know, that's, you know, I, I think there's so much going on with the program right now that Neil needs to be in there, not just figuring out what offense he's going to run next year, but also getting the players in to fill the gaps, uh, making sure that the rest of his coaching staff is, you know, the best of its ability, managing the team, um, you know, getting them ready for next season, getting, you know, a, probably a new training or um, practice schedule, you know, not practice schedule, but practice, you know, regimen in place because what he's been doing obviously hasn't been working. So I just think Neil has so much to do that it, it, it really doesn't make sense to take that duty on whenever it's probably your last year. I mean, when is he going to sleep? If he's going to, you know, be offensive coordinator and come up with this new fancy offense while doing all the other things that he needs to do to rebuild the football program. I mean, he's just going to be, you know, living off coffee and, you know, Red Bull for the the next six months or so. So um, that's why I would have hired the best choice. But, you know, I guess Neil's just wants that control and not have to delegate to someone else and worry if their system's going to work or not. That's the only reason I can think of. Um, but from a logic standpoint, it really doesn't make much sense to me because there's just so much work to do with this team. Well, the other thing is, I mean, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but we know they reached out to Clint Trickett and he basically turned it down. So maybe they did try to go after a lot of names that Mountaineer fans would have been ecstatic about, but just nobody who was really worthwhile paying a lot and bringing in wanted to come. I mean, that's the only logical explanation I can think of. Yeah, and I wonder how much, you know, Ren was involved in the um, the offensive coordinator hire or promotion, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, just because it seems like after the season we had last year, um, there were rumors swirling around when Shane Lyons was there that there's going to be a ton of staff t- turnover. Now, there hasn't really been any staff turnover that we know of. I know Tony Washington um, ended up moving to Liberty. Um, they brought back Bilal Marshall, who was a graduate assistant. Um, so that's not a new face. Um, you know, they lost Graham Harrell, but they just promote from within. And we do have a, another open spot in the coaching staff for quarterbacks. Um, so they could either move Sean Reagan back there or they could hire and hire another tight ends coach or hire an actual quarterback coach. But nonetheless, I mean, um, it seems like the band's coming back together and there's really not going to be any changes despite the transfers that have gone out despite the lack of development, despite all the complaints that us as fans have had. So, you know, I I think Ren, you know, my read of the situation, just complete speculation um, is that Ren is just letting Neil do what Neil wants to do, getting out of his way and seeing what Neil can do. And, you know, my thoughts on that are is I I like it because, you know, I think a lot of people um, who defend Neil kind of say that he's that he needs and that's exactly what Ren's doing so if he fails it's going to be on Neil it's not going to be because Ren didn't you know because Ren was in there you know messing around with the house and shuffling the deck and things like that um and I think it's just another sign that you know I, I think this is really probably Neil's last year unless he blows us out of the water with the way he does and kind of contrasting it to something we're going to talk about later you know, maybe Ren was tinkering a little bit with Bob Huggins staff because he wants to keep Huggins because Huggins has been successful um, versus not tinkering with what Neil's doing. And I think that's a little bit telling. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm happy for Chad Scott. I hope he is the one um, doing a majority of the play calling come next season. Um, so I, I, I don't mind the hire at all. I know a lot of people on social media complained about it, but um, I, I think it's worth giving him a shot. And I'm happy for him because even if this coaching staff gets blown up next year and we bring in a new head coach, um, that's going to look good on his resume to, to get another job. So I'm happy for Coach Scott. But you mentioned basketball. Monday was a busy day because the basketball team announced the hiring of DeMar Johnson to Bob Huggins' coaching staff. And DeMar played for Huggins back in the 1999-2000 season when he was at Cincinnati. He then went on to have a 16-year professional career playing not only overseas, but spent a lot of time in the NBA as well. So Coach Johnson has been on Cincinnati's coaching staff since 2007. So this is a guy who's got a lot of combined playing and coaching experience. So what are your thoughts on the new basketball hire? You know, any kind of new face is a good thing, I think, right now to, to be on Coach Bob Huggins' staff. I mean, we've seen the same two or three guys uh, the past 15 years or so, and we've seen really the, the only evolution of the, the offense is whenever we went press Virginia. I mean, that's really the only change other than that, you know, we still run the same kind of flex or five out op offense um, defensively, you know, we're still kind of relying on kind of a physical defense where a lot of fouls happen. Um, and it, it's always good to get a fresh perspective. And I think Bob Huggins kind of nailed it in the press conference. He had um, what was it? Three or four games ago where he said he has too big of a heart and he's let some guys hang around too much. And that includes the staff. Um, and I think that hits the nail right on the head. You know, I mean, you can't change unless you're being challenged. And I feel like the guys he had had on staff, I should say, weren't challenging him because they were Bob Huggins guys and they like doing things Bob Huggins way. Um, and, you know, kind of on that same topic, I was actually looking at South Carolina State's record this year. Um, they went 15 and 16 last year without Coach Eric Martin. This isn't the trash Coach Martin at all, but they are three and 16 right now. So they are not. um off to a very good start under him. I'm sure he can figure out a way to improve over time. But, um, you know, if he's running Bob Huggins style of system, maybe that's kind of the problem going on down there too. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I don't know what the transfer situation was down there in today's college sports, but um, to go to Johnson, I, I do like to hire as well. They finally brought in a fresh perspective and we've said it for years. We don't want Huggins to leave, but uh, we do want fresh young faces on that coaching staff. And with the hiring of DeMar and over the summer, don't forget they brought in Alex Ruoff. I think they're finally injecting some youth and that's important. Um, and I'm not trying to say get rid of all of the older guys on the coaching staff, but it's good to have a healthy mix of youth and experience on that staff. And that way the message and the ideas aren't getting stale, which you mentioned the offense. Um, I, I think it has been stale for many years now, and we're, and we're really starting to see the effects of that. So I think Coach Johnson will help the Mountaineers with recruiting as well. Huggins is already talking about DeMar recruiting in the D.C. metro area because that's where he's from. And he served as director of player development at Cincinnati these past couple years. So he'll certainly help with building up these recruits as well. So yeah, I'm with you. Sorry for the bad pun, but I think the hire's a slam dunk. I really liked it. Yeah. And I think the recruiting thing's big too, because I think you look at the way Huggins is recruiter of the past few years, you know, I definitely think he still has a presence, um, but he's definitely 
lost some of his fertile recruiting grounds. I mean, if you remember where he got all of his good players before was in the New York area. Um, the New York area really isn't isn't the kind of hub of basketball anymore. It's now more spread out across the country, especially with the way that AAU has developed and, you know, that kind of being the, the hub of where all the talent comes from. Um, so, uh, you know, I think it's going to be good to get a fresh perspective, someone who can connect to players, talk about playing in the league. You know, he was a number six overall draft pick. Um, he was a what, freshman player of the year in the Conference USA or whatever conference they were or Cincinnati was in then. Um, so he has success. He has good stories to tell. And, you know, he also has the miraculous comeback that he came from after he got in a car accident. Um, so, and he worked his way back onto an NBA roster. So um, he knows what it takes to get there. Um, he knows, you know, what path he took. And I think he can connect to the kids. Now, you know, are people going to know who DeMar Johnson is? Maybe not. But I think it's better to have one of those guys who's been in the league a little bit more recently than having, you know, Larry Harrison, Ron Everhart, and um, I forget who the other guy is, the guy they just hired on um, who's younger, but, you know, didn't play. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I can't see really any negatives to it now as, as a coach, who knows, but I think it's important to get at least one or two really good higher rated guys because the past few years in recruiting, you know, you can definitely see that the guys that we're bringing in require a lot of development. I mean, how many guys have come in as a freshman or a sophomore and actually contributed anything substantial? Um, I can't think of anyone. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I'm with you. I, I think he checks all the boxes. We said he's going to help with recruiting with player development and he's younger. He's got fresh ideas. He's been around and has seen a lot of different coaching styles and philosophies. Um, I, I honestly can't think of one negative thing to say about the hire. Um, but this kind of transitions into, because we haven't talked about it since our last podcast, the reason DeMar Johnson was hired is because Larry Harrison was suddenly fired last week. And Coach Harrison was on Bob Huggins' coaching staff for 24 years they coached together. And the timing of this firing seemed strange because it was right in the middle of the season. So... <laughs> Um, why not wait till the end of the season? Plus, he he released a statement today, so it makes it um, even more relevant to talk about. So why do you think um, they decided to do it when they did? Because you would think someone that close to Bob Huggins, they would at least give him the respect to wait a couple months and just do it when the season's over. Yeah, I don't really remember this, but a few of the articles that I read mentioned rumors that there was talk of potentially – um, Harrison leaving the program on during the off season, this past off season, um, they decided to bring him back. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know. I, I don't really remember those rumors swirling during the off season last year, but, um, you know, I think with the start and, you know, someone had to go, you know, I think, you know, Ren wants to see the the basketball program succeed. And, you know, again, going back to that Huggins comment where he has too big of a heart and he keep, lets guys hang around too long. You know, I think having someone like Ren made his job easier. Um, and I think that goes to show that he has a better relationship with Ren than he did with Shane Lyons. Because if you remember, it kind of seemed like he was battling with Shane Lyons all the time, trying to get things done for the basketball program. So for him to be able to go to Ren and say, hey, uh, or Ren maybe coming to him and say, hey, what can I do to make the basketball program better? And he's like, you know, maybe get rid of Larry Harrison for me. Um and so that's what Ren did, you know, just kind of acted as the hammer shielded Huggins from whatever. And, you know, if Huggins doesn't want to take the blame, that's that's his prerogative. It doesn't really matter to me. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it really just came down to we were losing and, you know, 
Coach Harrison um, was in charge of practices. He was in charge of substitution patterns. And, you know, maybe Huggins dug in and just saw that those weren't working. And Coach Harrison wasn't willing to change. Um, There was also some rumors that Harrison kind of preferred playing the guys that he recruited over other guys. Um, I tried to do some research and to see which guys Harrison recruited and which ones he didn't. I couldn't really find anything. Um, So I couldn't really do a comparison on to see if that's true or not, but maybe that had something to do with it as well. Um, So it'll be interesting to see the next few games, how Huggins manages these rotations compared to the rotations that Harrison was playing. Yeah. Yeah. You make a lot of good points and uh, you even mentioned it. I mean, that, that was Harrison's main role. He was responsible for in-game substitutions, deciding who plays, who doesn't. And up until recently, it seemed like Bob Huggins just fully trusted him with that job. But um, I didn't really notice this too much when I was watching the games, but you mentioned it and, and Greg Hunter mentioned it as well. He said it was pretty evident that uh, Bob Huggins was overruling him on some of his substitution decisions uh, a couple games prior to him being let go. And you got to believe that's something that is built up over time. That's, you know, it's hard to believe that all of a sudden guys who have coached 24 years together just all of a sudden aren't getting along. So I do have a feeling this was somewhat of a long time coming. And then, uh, like we said earlier, Larry Harrison released a statement today. And, um, y- you know, it, it kind of made the decision to m- get rid of him midseason all the more confusing with some of his comments. He stated he had no explanation for the dismissal. He assured everybody that he was not a subject of any NCAA criminal investigations or violations. He also said, and I quote, I read the university statement that the decision was made in the best interest of Mountaineer basketball. I can only assume that some important pe- people believe that to be true. Um, so to me, he's kind of hinting that even people above Bob Huggins kind of pushed him out the door. But, um, you know, I'm kind of with you. I-, I think it ultimately came down to Bob Huggins suggesting that he leave because it's very unlikely that Ren Baker in his very first month at WVU makes these demands to a tenured guy like Bob Huggins saying, you got to let this longtime assistant walk. You got to believe that that decision started and ended with Bob Huggins, even though he's trying to distance himself from that decision being made. It's hard to believe. Yeah. And that's a good sign of a good AD though, is someone who's willing to take the heat for his coach. I mean, you know, that's someone that Huggins has trusted for a long time and Larry Harrison. And that's not something easy to do. I mean, that's like going up to one of the, your friends that you've you know been friends with, with for 15 years and saying, Hey man, I, I just can't hang out with you anymore. Like, wouldn't you rather have someone else do that for you? And that's kind of what Rem Breaker's doing for, for hugs. And if hugs, like I said, didn't want to be the face of it or didn't want to take the blame for it, that's completely fine because that's a tough situation to be in. And Ren can be the bad guy. You know, it's okay to be the villain sometimes. Well, I'm cool with Ren taking that responsibility on. I think that's, you know, uh, very big of him to do so early on in his tenure. But to me, I think Bob Huggins should own it a little bit more. And I feel like he has in more recent comments. But that initial comment that he said, he basically said, you know, I'm not as involved in this decision as some people think. I think... uh, I don't know. He's kind of alluding to it's not his decision when he said that. And then he won't take any questions on it. I know it's a touchy situation, but expect people to 
speculate and make up stuff and start rumors if you're not going to just say, hey, here's what happened and let's move on. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I definitely think as fans, we deserve, you know, a little bit more information about what's going on. Um, whether that comes from Ren or, or Bob Huggins, it doesn't really matter. Obviously, you know, it really depends on what Coach Huggins is comfortable with. Um, but obviously providing more insight is never a bad thing. Um, the way that he said it was very cryptic. And anytime you say anything cryptic, it's going to be misinterpreted a million ways by a million different people. And I think that puts Coach Harrison in a tough spot. So that's a really good point that, you know, being vague is never a good thing. <laughs> no. No, and even Harrison was not, I mean, he was kind of revealing in some of his statements, but he never flat out said anything. He was just basically like, hey, this wasn't on me, is what I took from his statement. But um, switching gears just a little bit, sorry, go ahead. uh, The interesting thing about his statement, too, is that he didn't mention, uh, he didn't thank Bob Huggins either, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I saw a lot of people mention that. And that is a good point. Again, you're together 24 years and you both are kind of, it does seem like a bad breakup because neither one has a lot of flattering things to say about the other one after 24 years. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the one thing too that I I thought was interesting before we jump to the the next topic is, you know, it seems like a lot of former players have come to bat for Coach Harrison and talked about, you know, how good of a coach he was, how much they loved him, how, you know, they felt like they did him dirty. I actually listened to the, um, even though they're not fans of the the show, um, the final forecast, um, I listened to their podcast with Jared West and um, I, th- I thought Jared West was great and he had some great points in that, you know, uh, John Flowers kept on trying to defend Coach Harrison and Jared West says, you know, you can't just have a whole bunch of yes men. You need to have someone in there with a d- differing opinion. And I think that's what Huggins is going for. And, you know, John Flowers wasn't really having it, but Jared West was sticking firm in the ground. Like, you know, you need to have someone in there who can change things because things aren't working like, you know. Yeah. Um, And that's exactly, I think, what he's going for. So I'm really hoping that we do get that change that we're all expecting. 100 percent. And I think that's why we're seeing football and basketball struggle in recent years, because it seems like there aren't a lot of guys who are willing to challenge it. It is a lot of yes men and and we're seeing where that's getting us and it's not too far. So I'm with uh, West on that one, but yeah, let's talk about uh, the, the basketball team itself a little bit. The free throw woes have been a topic in Morgantown for years now, but this year struggles are very strange. When you look at the stats, I got these numbers from Greg Hunter and I thought they were very revealing WVU shot 74% free throws during non-conference games. That's pretty good, right? 74% for a team. But they only have shot 60% during conference play from the free throw line. That's a huge drop-off in a short amount of time. And it's cost them some games. The Oklahoma game in particular comes to mind. And, uh, you know, can you explain these numbers? Because you, you can't claim the change in competition is the reason, which, you know, a lot of these stats that have dropped off, that's what people have claimed. But free throws are the same whether you're playing Stony Brook or Kansas. No one's defending it. The shot shouldn't change. So why are we seeing a 14 point or 14 percentage drop off? Because um, it's really killing us in conference play. Yeah, the only thing that I can think of is tired legs. You're facing more stiff competition, so your legs are tired. Um, And I think that's kind of what Bob Huggins is trying to work with the guys on when he talks about I'm making them, you know, practice full and then have a full practice and then shoot free throws at the end. 
so that you can kind of simulate those tired legs. It's obviously not working, but I'm not exactly sure how else you can do it other than doing it that way. Um, and it's interesting just to kind of dig in a little bit more about why we're losing, you know, of the four conference games that we've lost so far by single digits. Um, the only time we shot over 61% as a team from the free throw line was against Baylor. Um, the other four losses, we shot like 60, 60.7% and then 50% two other times. And then um, the fourth game was Baylor, which was uh, we shot, I think, 72% as a team, which was 5% lower than Baylor. Um, which again, you know, if you can make your free throws, you can win that game. So um, we are shooting 70% as a team. You know, if we're doing that, we're probably at least three and two right now in conference play. Um, and that's a big difference, you know, and I, I'm not exactly sure why we're struggling so poorly. I don't know if it's the guys who are going to the line. I know Joe Toussaint isn't necessarily a great free throw shooter. Um, but, you know, other than that, I, I really don't have an answer. I mean, it should be something that should be fixable and people should be making more frequently. <laughs> They should, yeah. And uh, Joe Trusson, I forgot to write the numbers down. He he did great in non-conference play as well. But that is the weird thing. Even West Virginia's good free throw shooters are missing all of a sudden. Like Trey Mitchell, he was shooting, I think it was around 84%. I know he was in the 80 percentile before conference play. And Eric Stevenson, he only missed one free throw all last season. And you're seeing both of those guys struggle in recent games and key moments. I mean, Trey Mitchell missed like those technical free throws. Then he was missing other ones later in that game. Um, which leads me to this question. Is Bob Huggins' message starting to fall on deaf ears? Can he still convey his techniques and his coaching to this new generation? Like, is it just old-fashioned now and not working? Um, it, it's worth asking, and I don't necessarily agree with it. The players still seem to be playing hard, so it seems like they still respect him. The issue is we're getting the same results. We're just not seeing improvements these past two years in the same areas. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you think his coaching style still works in this day and age? I think it works for the type of guys that we've been bringing in. Um, which are lesser talented guys, guys that haven't chosen the uh, mainstream path, got, you know, the guys that we've gotten from the transfer portal. I mean, you look at Eric Stevenson. He's been in four colleges in four years. And Joe Toussaint transferred from Iowa as kind of being like a more of a lower recruited, more of an off the bench guy for them. Um, the only four star I think we have on the team, just kind of looking through the roster is Emmett Matthews who came in and he was the only four star who came in and even he transferred out, went to Washington, improved his game and came back. Um, Trey Mitchell so the, was only a three. I think so. He, well, he, he started out at UMass and then he went to oh, Texas. That's right. You're right. Forgot about that. So I think, I don't know if he was a four star or not, but he, he might've been a three star went to UMass and then transferred out. Um, but you know, I, I think that's part of the problem is that the talent of the guys that we're getting in here are guys that are willing to place Huggins system and know that Huggins is tougher. So they'll come here and play it. Um, the problem with that is, is that teams are going more skill-based. They're not really necessarily relying on athleticism as much, unless you're someone like Scott drew a Baylor who can kind of coach up that athleticism to be really good. But if you look at, you know, schools across the nation, they would rather have someone who's maybe a little undersized, a little bit slower, but can shoot 
and slide their feet defensively. I mean, look at Virginia. They're just a whole bunch of white guys. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of the direction that teams want to go is whenever they can just get someone who's a good basketball player, someone who can pass, someone who can shoot. Um, that's not really what Bob Huggins looks for. He wants someone who's hard-nosed, who's going to drive to the basket, who's going to be physical on defense, who can run, jump, you know, rebound, all that other stuff. And in order to get those guys um, who are good at that, you're kind of having to pick and choose you know, those skills, you're not getting someone in who can drive to the basket and rebound and dunk and, you know, play physical defense. You're getting a guy who can do two out of the three because the guys who could do all four are going to Kentucky or Kansas and don't have to deal with the things that Huggins would put them through. Um, I think that's part of the problem is just that we just can't bring in the talent due to Huggins system. So, you know, maybe it's not necessarily falling on deaf ears, but it's falling on deaf ears before they even step foot on campus. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a fair point. And I will say this about this year's team. They seem to have better leadership. Um, they seem to be more talented than last year's team. The problem is we're just seeing the same results, same issues too, which is weird. It's it's almost a completely new team, but they, they have almost the same exact deficiencies, which is leading to losses. And um, I think what a lot of people are sick of hearing the fans, you know, coach claims players have bad work ethic. They can't shoot. They don't hit the gym enough. We heard that a few weeks ago from Huggins. And we hear this every year. Um, you know, those are the players he recruited. So whose fault is it really if the guys you're bringing in are like that every year? And I, I think that's why we saw a more upbeat and positive Bob Huggins after the Oklahoma loss. That was crushing, but um, the Mountaineers did play well. Again, you know, free throws and stuff like that. But um, he was not this positive after the first four conference losses. Do you think that is Huggy Bear realizing that you can't just constantly beat these players down? Do you think he realizes that they will, they will eventually tune them out? And that's why he's being positive because I feel like last year's team did tune him out a little bit. Those last couple of weeks were brutal to watch. And I feel like he's he's uh, kind of growing as a coach. He's seeing that uh, I can't make the same mistake. And it, it is good to see that he's been around forever, but he's still adapting in some aspects. Yeah, I think, you know, that's a good point is, you know, that you can't be a hard ass all the time or player. Like you said, players are going to tune you out. <laughs> and that's possible why he changed his tune. Uh, maybe it's because, you know, he had more of a, um, he knows some players have other things to work on, you know, and he he's seeing positive outcomes instead of punching. Or Danny Fortson or Nick Van Exel and all those other guys at Cincinnati who, you know, maybe weren't necessarily highly ranked guys, but worked their tails off to get there. Um, Cause he talks about those guys all the time and how hard they worked, but you know, players just aren't doing that. And you can't really expect players to put in all that work and just kind of live and breathe basketball. Um, Cause not everyone wants to live and breathe basketball. They just want to play it. And, you know, maybe that's a, a fault in the recruiting, but it is what it is. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of think that's part of the problem is, you know, he just needs to level with his players and kind of understand what their limitations are. And I'm hoping maybe he's making that realization. Maybe some of the players are talking to him. Um, so that's just my thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. And, uh, 
you know, it is good to see that he's not just doing the status quo. We're getting new coaches. He's kind of being a little different and like after the Oklahoma loss. And, um, you know, maybe it will see different results because, um, you know, we said it all football season. We're doing the same thing and we're getting the same results. Well, it was happening in basketball and it seems like Huggy Bear is finally making a bit of a change. So we'll see. Um, speaking of what's coming up, we got number 14 TCU on Wednesday and then number seven Texas on Saturday. Two very good teams. But as we know, the Big 12 is a gauntlet and there aren't going to be any easy games for the rest of the season. Every game is going to be a battle. Plus, did you see Bob Huggins met with Governor Jim Justice earlier today? And then shortly after, Justice announced that he's positive for COVID. Oh, no, I didn't see that. Yeah, wow. so so who knows? I'm sure we'll have Huggins on Wednesday because, you know, that's just tomorrow. But, um, you know, it is a possibility that maybe he turns up positive before Saturday and we don't even have him on the bench. Yeah, that wouldn't be good. Um, no. It's it's too tough game, so I'm really hoping that Huggins is there. I mean, we really need wins bad, and I think it's a crucial moment for him to be there to be able to kind of adjust the team in the way that he sees fit, um, especially with Larry Harrison gone. I mean, that'd be a huge hole to have to try to fill that after firing the guy who's been running your substitutions the entire time. That, that could end up being a disaster. Um, what I want to ask you is during these next two games – um, what do you want to see? Do you want to, you know, see players play more, pay, play less? Do you want to see them do something differently um, outside of free making free throws, which I think is the top priority for all of us. But um, I just want to get your th hopes and dreams for these next few games. Yeah, I mean, um, I could give a prediction and say this is the week the Mountaineers turn it around. They're going to win the two home games, get back on track. I could also be negative and say, you know, we'll once again be disappointed after two close losses. I think both mindsets are wrong. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if we split these two games. These are very, very tough opponents. And I don't predict West Virginia just losing the last two months of the season. So um, the talent's there. What do I want to see? I don't think there's necessarily guys who... I guess they're kind of are. I mean, I would like to see Kobe to get a little more playing time. The only question is, who are you going to bench to get Kobe on the court? Um, I, I like the fact that Seth Wilson is getting more reps. I like Seth Wilson. I think he's a good player. I like his size. I like the fact that he gets to the hoop, that he scores. Um, I know sometimes his defense is frustrating, but, you know, that's how he's going to get better. He He's still young. He didn't get a ton of reps last year. Get him out there let them play. It's not like it's affecting your win-loss record. We're losing anyways. Um, but who else I would want to see? I think I would like to see Waggy on the on the court more. And Oconco, when he's out there, he he's playing well. Um, I, I do feel like Huggins is getting those guys in, so I'm not going to complain greatly about it. But I would like to see those guys get more of a run. How about you? Yeah, uh, so mine's a little bit more uh, drastic of a change. But I, I would really like to see... Eric Stevenson not play as many minutes as he has. Uh, I think there are times where he hurts the team more than helps, especially since he's always getting into foul trouble. Um, and some of his shot selections are just, they make you want to bang your head on the wall. Um, he just gets tunnel vision. Um, I still think he's a valuable player and I still think he's someone should probably get 20 minutes a night. Um, you know, maybe bring him off the bench as kind of a spark plug guy. Um, 
But in place of those minutes, I want to see Seth Wilson because I feel like shooting wise, he's almost just as efficient as um, Eric Stevenson. And defensively, you mentioned he has some negatives, but he doesn't foul and he, you know, is burly. He can improve on that end. I think he can really be really good. And I'm really impressed with him. And I think it's important to kind of build for our future because uh, we need to get some of these younger guy reps. Um, the second one is I would like to see, you know, Jimmy Bell kind of not be the primary center. Um, I still think he should get minutes because I think that he does have a presence in there that's valuable. But to your point, I think a is a guy who just plays well. I mean, there are some things that he's lacking, um, but I think the things that he's lacking are things that he can improve on during the game. Um, I remember, um, I think it was earlier in the season where, Bob Huggins criticized Okonkwo for his, you know, lack of practice habits. And, you know, he wasn't trying hard. So before one of the games, he was actually running the stairs in the Coliseum. Bob Huggins telling him to. So he's someone who um, has a ton of potential. He, he uh, moved up, I think, two grades to come to WVU. I think he was 17 when he enrolled at WVU. So he's still really young, even though he's a sophomore. Um, so, you know, I would love to see him get more minutes. You know, I don't want him to get 25 minutes or anything crazy like that, like Jimmy Bell is, but I definitely think that him and uh, he should definitely see a more consistent role on the team because uh, he, he's been solid. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. I think he's got a ton of potential. We've seen like high highlight real blocks and dunks from him, and I, I do think he's got a lot of just untapped potential. You just got to give him some minutes to – to really figure himself out. I mean, it's not too often people just figure it out in practice. They got to get on the court and just kind of learn how to adapt, basically, especially against tough competition like the Big 12. Um, with Stevenson, I'm kind of with you. I would like to, them to do a heat check on him, like not go in with a preset how many minutes he's going to play. Let him play a little bit, and if it seems like his shot isn't following, then, yeah, put Seth Wilson in. If, if he's on fire, let him go. And I know that might make him kind of frustrated. And it seems like he's been off ever since those technicals and the, the tongue lashing he got from Bob Huggins. But, uh, you know, th that's no one's fault but his own. He he kind of needs – I understand his game's fiery, and he, but you're right. I mean, he just does horrible fouls and bad situations. And then, of course, everyone's talked about it, but that shot selection he did against, I believe it was Oklahoma, was mm. just horrible. I mean, I mean, they could have easily won that game. They had plenty of time to get a good shot off, take the lead there. And I don't know what the heck he was doing. He was playing hero ball and just threw up a horrific shot. Even if he would have made that, I think a lot of people would have said, man, I'm glad that went in and that was awesome. But what was he thinking shooting that? I mean, it was that crazy of a shot that even if he would have made it, I, I feel like there still would have been comments made. Yeah, and no, I think the problem with him kind of going into that hero ball moment, which he does kind of in stretches, uh, every game at some point um, where he's just seeking shots is that it takes the ball out of other guys' hands. Like, I mean, um, Keddy last year, he wasn't a scorer at all, but he's been a lot better this year. Joe Toussaint has been a really improved score from what he did at Iowa. Trey Mitchell was someone who I think is underutilized on the offense. Evan Matthews. I mean, he was great in non-conference play and hasn't really done as much. He hasn't taken as many shots as he probably should. Um, whenever Eric Stevenson is just kind of going, hero mode and wants to try to carry the team it's taking the ball out of those guys hands and those four i mean we talked about at the beginning of the season we may not have a primary go-to guy but we have four or five guys 
who can score. You just got to move the ball and take the best shot. Um, unfortunately, I think Eric Stevenson has it in his head too much that he's the number one guy. And I think there are some benefits to having that confidence, but he needs to tone it back and understand that he can trust the other four guys he's on the court with. Yeah. And I would love Trey Mitchell just to get down around the hoop more often. I see him bring him up to the free throw line a lot, which I get, you know, you got to move him around, but let him live around the bucket and, you know, let him go one-on-one. And then if they double him, that's when you can kick it out to one of those good three-point shooters and, mm-hmm. and get an open shot. I, I wish maybe it's because we're lacking a true point guard, but I just wish they would focus on feeding him more. And, um, you know, Stevenson, I think it just he needs to be coached and said, listen, if you're on fire, yeah, take some crazy shots if you're feeling it. But if you're 0 for 5, if you're 1 for 6, like, come on, man, like pass the ball up more and only take the shot when you're open. Like you're killing us out here. Yeah. And I think Stevenson's a decent passer, too. So, I mean, he could be just as effective as a player if he's just out there, you know, making plays that a point guard needs to play. I think he's a rock solid player all around. He just needs to kind of. You know, it's all mental stuff with him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're telling them this, but they need to just sit him down and say, like, this is how it is. And if you're not doing it, then we're going to take you out and put in Seth Wilson. And yeah, that's that. 100% on board with that. (laughs) Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that is it for us. Um, Hopefully we get one, if not two wins this week. And we got some positive news to talk about next week for West Virginia basketball, but um, let us know what you think about the episode. Let us know what you think about the hires, because those are two very big splash hires, I think, this week um, really made the headlines. So let us know if you like them or if you dislike them, and we will catch you guys next week. Yeah, thanks, everyone.